Welcome back to Say What Needs Saying. I'm Zach. And I'm Brandon. And today we're talking about the first of several presidential debates for 2020. And it, <laughs> it, it was awful. I think we can all agree, at least on some level, it was kind of a shit show. It was an um, embarrassment, Zach. You're being nice with the words. It was really, it was, it was telling that this was the best that America could do, and I think a lot of Americans did not appreciate that. Right. So, in covering this, you know, we kind of wanted to get all of your perspectives, share ours, and then go through some of the key points that each candidate was talking about during each section. You know, we figured we'd start with just general reactions. Um, obviously, we've already kind of given ours a little bit, um, but we can go in, into a little bit more detail with that. And then the actual topics that were covered during the debate, they were the Trump and Biden records, the Supreme Court, COVID-19, the economy, race and violence in our cities, and the integrity of the election. Let's just start with with general reactions. Um, obviously, you know, like I said, we we already kind of said a, a bit about it, but I think everyone on some level, left, right, center, was disappointed in this debate. And I think that's I don't know about you guys, but every every source that I've read has been critical of it in some large fashion. I think that naturally across any election, there's going to be that level of criticism that I've seen you know, with McCain or Obama or Obama and, and Romney, um, if, I'm, if I'm not mistaken. But I think that this time around, it was a bit bigger than the parties. And unfortunately, you could tell with how personal uh, Trump went with his attacks towards Biden, which is interesting because no one knew, well, at least the general public did not know of anything in regards to Hunter Biden or the drugs or the the Moscow, that was, it has nothing to do with the election. So it's kind of wondering how serious did the president take these elections, especially enough to fire off that the, the sexual joke. I was, I was very shocked. I was talking about with a few of my friends, like how calm or how confident or how I guess smooth you have to be to be able to fire off a joke of that caliber during like your first level debate. I think that was like, shocking. what joke are you talking about? When Biden said, when oh, I think he's asked the moderator, he's like, can I finish? And Biden says, ah, he doesn't, want, he would, doesn't allow me to finish. And, Biden, and then Trump says, nah, you'll be surprised. And I was like, oh, <laughs> all right, look at you, Got 73 it. and still pumping. All right. <laughs> yeah, it was definitely, there was a level of lost decorum that just was much different from from past elections right past debates they always had you know like you said it's politics right and so they've always been criticized for various things they've very often lead to mudslinging and and insults on some level right and and so i don't think that's new i do think that this is the first time that i've seen well, I, I shouldn't say too much because I am fairly new to politics, right? I wasn't paying super close attention previously either, but just this the bipartisan reactions to it on, on both sides and both sides just saying that it was a disgrace and, and disappointing. Um, on that note, we, we got a comment that said, what would you say the conservative spin versus the liberal spin is on the election? Because I think it's very different stories. Hmm. Uh, I would agree. I, I do think that it's been spun very differently, or at least different issues have come to the forefront of the spin. And I think that came out in the debate. Uh, you know, like you said, some of the issues that Trump was bringing up, 
you know, you say that the average American doesn't really know about Hunter Biden and his drug habits and the stuff with the Moscow and in, you know, these various things or Biden allegedly spying on, on Trump and all these various talking points that Trump had. I would say those are fairly, I don't want to say common, but they're definitely things that have come up in the conservative sources that I've listened to, you know, whether it's Stephen Crowder or Ben Shapiro or these other people that they definitely talk about them. Whereas I haven't heard them as much on some of the more liberal leaning sources. That makes sense. You know, you wouldn't want to necessarily disparage your own, your front runner. You know, you're not going to talk about those things, but that question was really interesting. The fact that, you know, what would you say, like the conservative spin on how it went or how it's going to go in regards to the election, like how the debate went or how, like, how's it going to turn out? Yeah, that's true. Cause those are two different topics. Uh, right. And I think both of them, you know, have been spun fairly differently. I think as far as, since we're talking about the debate, I think, you know, we can focus a little and the, the listener, you're welcome to clarify sure. which one you were talking about. Um, mm-hmm. But just talking about the debate. So what I've seen so far has been that when conservatives are talking about the debate, the main things that I've seen come up, I have seen a good deal of criticism about Trump. I, I still have seen criticism about his handling of the debate, his decorum, him being overly aggressive. Um, it was more from a strategic point of yeah. view. It's Fair. talked about, yeah, it's talked about as basically saying you should have let Biden have a chance to lie or give a bad answer so that you could have then push back right. instead of the liberal spin has been more of Trump was being a jackass and it evidences his personality and it evidences the aspects of him that make him unfit for leadership, right? And they're, so they're very different takes on Trump's behavior. I also think that, as at least from the conservative side, Chris Wallace has taken more flack. Chris Wallace has definitely gotten more criticism from the right than from the left. Mm-hmm. And I think part of that is obviously bias. You know, obviously Trump supporters are going to be angry at someone cutting off Trump or, or criticizing Trump for interrupting than non-Trump supporters. The other aspects that have come into question have been Wallace's handling of, of the debate outside of picking on Trump, quote unquote, you know, things like giving softball questions to Biden or to, you know, being buddy buddy with Biden when they were kind of laughing together. You know, and then as far as the liberal side of media and news, I think there was more a focus on, yeah, like, so one of the listeners just said versus a focus on coronavirus. Um, yeah, and th- that was another difference. In liberal news, there was more focus on coronavirus, on COVID, Trump's handling, like like there has been previously, whereas then conversely, conservatives were more concerned over Biden's, I guess, lack of comment on on court stacking. So yeah, there there's definitely a different reaction on both sides. And that's to be expected, obviously. I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that that's kind of normal. I mean, and that's expected. You wouldn't expect for, you know, Fox News to be glorifying Biden's points on how he wishes to bring together the races of America. Or I wouldn't expect MSNBC to be praising Trump over his, you know, 2,000 deaths or, you know, how minimal the 200,000 deaths are. Right. Uh, in regards to COVID. But I guess as a whole, if anybody wants to chip in, in regards to their overall perspective on the debate, just, you know, was it childish? Was it expected? Did you, were, did you continue to tune in? Did you leave and say this is nonsense and then come back? Yeah. What did you all think? Just general reactions, not necessarily, we, we can get into the specifics as we go, 
but just general feelings, you know, were, were you happy with the, the debate? And if not, like, what, what was your takeaways from it? I think I, for one, definitely thought it was childish. I think everybody thought it was childish, right? Like the, the back and forth. And, you know, maybe I show a little bit of bias for saying that Trump interrupted, but I, I don't know. I, like I said, I have a, a Catholic background. So like, it's kind of like pure evil to interrupt somebody while they're talking like that. That's just not, not how you, in civil conversation, let alone a debate, that official go and behave in public right so Mm -hmm. that's that's my big thing on the other side definitely the mental uh acuity of biden was definitely in question i think and i think uh that's that's the other side spin to that but he he tried to be polite at first and then he kind of you know lost cool a little bit but you know there's a at some point he's just not talking at all and he's gotta he's gotta fight back right so like he's he's gotta say something right he can't just sit there and be quiet even though sometimes that's smart with uh arguing against president trump sure we see a comment that just popped into the chat it says it went out it went about as bad as i thought and i would imagine almost thought it wasn't a debate that was not a civil conversation and not something any side should be proud of I agree in regards to I guess I, I definitely have my biases to be on more of the more of the Biden aspect of it, only because I felt as if Trump had opportunities to really show some numbers and really defend his policies. And he had opportunity to really show what he's done in the past three and a half years. And it was mainly anecdotal on his end, just you know, and granted, repetition is how you make your points, but it wasn't any more than what we would see in like a campaign rally or something like that. That's another big difference between the two sides that has been evidenced, especially in this election and in their reactions to the debate, was that Trump focused more on policy and Mm -hmm. Biden focused more on attitudes and personality, right? Because the push right now on both sides is that I can be a good president for X reason. And for Trump, it's look at my policies, look at what I've done and look at so-and-so. And for Biden, it is look at Trump and how bad he is at leadership and his personality and all of these aspects that make him a bad leader. And I think that evidenced itself in the debate because, and we'll get into some of them, you know, a lot of Trump's claims were, some were true, some were false, some were misleading, but he did make the claims, right? Whereas I guess Biden more so focused, like he made more broader, uh, more general claims and more general statements and kind of dodged specifics a little more, at least as far as policy goes. So I guess we can start getting into the topics. So the first one was the Biden and Trump records. And so there were several things that came up in that segment from Trump's taxes to healthcare and the Affordable Care Act. They talked about COVID to an extent, even though it wasn't necessarily the COVID portion. There was plenty of mudslinging about about intelligence going on. Um, Hunter Biden came up, climate change, uh, drug prices, all kinds of stuff. And so I thought we would just kind of hit on a couple a couple big ones um, and, and go from there. there. There was one comment that we can cover before we go there, just because it's kind of more on general reactions. Uh, it says, Trump's a heckler. I feel, however, for the moderate voters that might be on the fence, Trump's antics hurt him and turned them off from him. It helped him win four years ago, but I'm sure a good chunk thought that was him then and that he would calm down and show a more presidential side as the years went, which obviously didn't happen. And yeah, and that's honestly, even 
the more conservative sources that I saw. So Steven Crowder, he's fairly right-leaning. He, you know, and he's very clearly biased in his in his streaming of the debate and in his shows too. Right. Um, even he was saying like he would laugh at something that Trump did, and he's like, "Look, I find this entertaining, but I don't know how this is going to go with the American public." And so even even they're willing, they were willing to say like, "This is not a good move for Trump." He was definitely very much focused on mudslinging and, you know, interrupting and being a jerk, right? Being a jerk. And it doesn't sit well, I don't think, like you said, I don't think it sits well with the moderate voter that's on the fence that may still be undecided. So jumping into the some of the specifics that they talked about, I guess we can start with one of the big ones recently. So Trump's taxes has been a big point of contention in the news recently. And so this is because it came out that he only paid $750 in taxes and that he is still under audit. He still hasn't released his tax returns and he's received a lot of criticism for that. So there was a one particular comment of his that I wanted to provide some context on. And that was when he claimed that Biden passed a tax bill allowing for credits and depreciation. And so basically he was saying, yeah, I was able to write off a lot of my taxes, but it was because of what you did. I'm fairly sure he was referencing a provision that went into effect under Obama. And that provision basically it allowed businesses to recoup taxes that they paid in the previous five years with business losses. And so that was a change from before that, it was only the past two years. And so what happened, presumably, is that went into effect. Trump then counted up his losses for the past five years, which were substantial and totaled that, I don't know what it was, 70 million, 72 million, and then filed for a $72 million tax return. So when Trump says that Biden passed the tax bill, I think that it it does need some clarification in that Biden isn't solely passing these tax bills. Biden isn't the one greenlighting these bills. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But, you know, that said, it's not like it was an outright lie, right? He was citing this provision that went into effect. But yeah, it was definitely misleading. We actually had a couple comments coming in on the in the chat. It says, first off, what does a president actually do? Not veto? Have a vote? No. Presidents are figureheads and signers for bills. They they don't actually do anything unless they wrote and negotiated them between the parties themselves. Another comment says, yeah, I think the Trump tax thing is is going to end up being extremely shady, but technically legal, which I'm not sure will lead Biden if he wins to get the loopholes fixed. So another Trump or others doing the same can't continue. Yeah, I was talking to someone about this the other day. And and the thing about the difference between shady and legal is that you have to realize that unless the language closing those loopholes is extremely specific, Mm -hmm. you are going to also rope in a lot of business owners that are genuinely using these tax write-offs and these tax breaks for their benefit for good reason, Um, Mm -hmm. right? So the, the example I gave in this conversation was this podcast right? Pretend for a minute that this podcast was a business and we, we had our own business. We were keeping track of all our expenses, all of our income, things like that. If that were the case right now, we would be running a massive deficit, right? Just because we haven't brought in income, but we've paid money for Zoom. We've paid money, you know, I paid money for a mic, you know, we, we paid money for equipment. 
things like that. And when that happens, right, this is presumably, this is a, at least I would say, fairly successful podcast so far. At least it's right. getting there. Right. And for that reason, those tax breaks at their pure core exist for a good reason, exist to encourage innovation and exist to encourage starting businesses and encourage, you know, not necessarily giving up if you're losing some money on your business because, because it may still work out. Right. And that's kind of part of it is it encourages risking of capital mm -hmm. um, so that you can then wind up having a net positive effect on the economy later because you've now got a successful business. So I do agree. I think there, there are plenty of tax loopholes that I, I'm no expert, um, but I'm sure that there are plenty of tax loopholes that only benefit people uh, of Trump's financial stature. But I, I don't know. But I think that it's a very the language will be very important in how they handle that. But I think it's important to say, you know, right, it's it probably will turn out to be legal. And I think that that is going to sway some people. Some people will only really be angry about it if it turns out to be illegal. Other people will just be mad because it's sketchy in general. And that was going to be one of my questions. I want, granted, we did have a comment in the chat. We're going to address that just in a second. Mm -hmm. But Zach, I wanted you to play play almost like a, a role with me. So I'm the regular middle-class citizen or middle-class, middle low-class citizen, and you're going to try to explain things. So I see that Trump paid $750 in taxes. Mm -hmm. What does that mean? What does that mean for me as a voter? So I, I think as a voter, I think the propensity is to look at it as I put in X amount of work and mm -hmm. then I paid Y amount of taxes. Mm -hmm. Trump put in presumably the same amount or less work and paid much less taxes. I think that is that at least is my perception of what the takeaway is for the average person, right? Because the the stuff that keeps coming up is, oh, he pays less than teachers. He pays less than firefighters. He pays less, you know, there'll be all the comparisons. I think that largely, and we touched on this with the episode with uh, Red's Ramblings, mm -hmm. I think a lot of that comes from misunderstanding or lack of understanding of the system, right? Because that same teacher, that same firefighter didn't risk any, right? He didn't have an R&D department, right? right? He didn't have business expenses. He didn't have, you know, employees that he was paying and having to incur more risk. And so I think that's just something that fundamentally isn't understood very well. And so I don't, I don't blame people for having a negative reaction. And honestly, I'm sure that he used a fair number of loopholes that were probably, again, probably legal, but uh, sketchy. I think, I mean, I remember I had a math teacher in high school. He's a substitute teacher, but he was in a tax, uh, you know, he did taxes on his off time. He said there's over 77,000 tax codes. Mm -hmm. The average person is not using, TurboTax is not using these tax codes. These tax codes are made for these billionaires or these individuals who are in these high places who need to, you know, try to evade something in some, in some regard. And then one more follow-up question, then we'll address the comments in the chat. So you, you, and you've spoke about this before, you voted for Trump before, correct? Yes. Mm -hmm. Now, him paying whatever amount in taxes, whether it be justifiable or not, does that deter any, does, would that hold back your hand when pulling down that vote? And if so or so not, why? So for me personally, and so I want, I'll, I'll preface this by saying, 
I'm genuinely not 100% decided who I'm going to vote for in November. Mm -hmm. But I think if it were solely down to the tax issues, no, that wouldn't sway me. That wouldn't be the make or break point. That wouldn't be the thing that sways me. Because if it were, if it turned out that it was tax fraud, it was illegal, mm -hmm. then I think that sure, that that's different. That's criminal. If it is legal and it's just sketchy, I think that it goes into Trump's record of demonstrating the flaws and imperfections in our system. And I think that him being caught doing it would still evidence those flaws and could lead to the system being changed and made different. And so what one, one of the, the comments brought up, and, and we will get to the ones that we skipped, but what someone just brought up is that that's the takeaway conservative side and that the liberal side is focused on lower middle class and low class poverty. And so it comes down to the proportional versus flat tax. I would be more in favor, again, I'm not an economist. I know that there may be implications for it, but on an ideological level, I am more for a flat tax because I think it's more quote unquote fair. And technically those same loopholes that he took advantage of still do exist for everyone else, at least in theory, not mm -hmm. realistically, right? And so that's where I know that it's not realistically the same for everyone, but I'm not, I'm not super concerned just because, you know, I do, I do the same thing on my level, right? I'll take bags of clothes to Goodwill and then keep the receipt so that I can write it off. Right. I'll, you know, I've known plenty of people who will buy a used car and then they'll report it as purchasing it for less so that they have to pay less for it uh, in taxes. And so I think, honestly, everyone does this same kind of stuff that Trump probably did, mm -hmm. but it has less gravity because it's less money. Right. You know, because of that, it catches people's eye more. But I personally don't hold, I don't think the president should be a moral role model. I know that that's kind of- Really? Yeah, I, I get that he, in, I think he should be, but I don't think that should be the expectation. I don't think if he's not a moral role model, I think it's more okay for you to tell either your kids or whoever, look, politicians are crappy. Plenty of politicians are crappy. And so I think that that is my take. And so Trump is more of a openly crappy person, mm -hmm. um, whereas some of these other people aren't. Now, again, that it still has value. Again, he should be morally uh, responsible because that does still have implications and he leads to problems if he's not. Mm -hmm. But it's not my main reason for voting, I guess. But, you know, as we'll get into as we talk about some of these specifics, it still is super important and can lead to some massive negative implications. Um, we have to get into these comments. Oh, yes. I'll, I'll just yeah, touch go for it. one that continued and then you can take the other two or three. Sure. Um, it says they need to be more specific, however, so one person can't interpret it one way to benefit them, whereas a regular person wouldn't see it that way. I think those are as as general as that is, that's almost the two party lines mm -hmm. at least expressed within the debate, that it was the people who can be talked to and the people who can be talked down to, so to speak. I feel like, because I, I, I kind of not only took apart what they verbally were saying with what, you know, what they said, but more of their body language and their actions. And at no point in time, granted, I thought this was a, a showing of experience where Biden would look into the camera and talk to the American people. Definitely. Rather than Trump would even gaze into the, the camera's light unless he was, you know, trying to look away from the moderator. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. 
Um, so then the next ones, he said that that same person said also isn't a big reason for the 750 because he donates his presidential salary. I'm sure that's a big part of it, right? That's a $400,000 donation every year that he can write off. Uh, so I'm sure that's a big one. We covered most of the next one talking about the conservative versus liberal views on the taxes, but then it goes on to say, so it comes down to proportional versus flat tax for lower class and mid lower middle, which is most of the country, the perception becomes wide as hundred K or less per year, get taxed, not only not proportional or flat, but less than proportional taxes. And yeah, so I, I think that's definitely a difference in perception. Um, and then, so we have a couple addressing my stance on, on morals. So I think I should probably get into that a little bit. <laughs> um, so one person says you have low expectations if you don't think the president should be a moral authority. Honestly, that I think that's that's true, right? I do have pretty low expectations for the government as a whole, not necessarily the president, but the government as a whole, right? I'm of the belief that the government's main role is protection of people's rights. And so I do still think moral authority plays into this because obviously you endanger people and we'll get into this with some of the white supremacy stuff mm -hmm. later. But so there is a there is a role for it there um, because protection of rights falls into that category as well. But when it comes down to their responsibilities and other roles, I think that moral authority, moral responsibility, I don't think that it's the government's role in telling you what is moral or how to be moral. I think that more falls on the individual, the family, the, you know, things like that. And you should be, as an individual or as a family, you should then be able to say, look, this person is being immoral. Don't do that. And I also agree with some of the next comment. So the next comment says he or she definitely should be, um, be a moral authority because they are essentially the face of the nation. Um, th that's true, right? And that's why it still has some role to play. I should clarify that I don't think it's not important I just think it's less important than the policies and the roles that they play in other elements of government, right? As opposed to the imagistic side of things. Um, they said, yes, they are also, in my opinion, really just a scapegoat for whatever goes right or wrong during their four or eight years, but they still just act like a decent, per they, they still should just act like a decent person regardless. Uh, and then someone else said, yes, but they should still lead by example. I agree with all of that, right? I agree that they should do all of that. And if it came down to, if there was an election, like if all other things were kept constant, if policy was identical, if their international handlings were identical, if their perception of the roles of government were identical, and it was candidate A versus candidate B, and candidate B is a more moral person, absolutely candidate B would be better, right? Because morals are still important. I just weigh them a little less highly. And I think that that's another thing I think that you see a little bit of a division on, because I think a lot of people right now are voting for Trump as a vessel for conservative policy and not voting for him because they like Trump. Um, again, you know, most of the people, not all of, but a lot of the conservative people that I've talked to don't like Trump, don't like, think he is morally, rep you know, I, I've thought from day one that he's morally reprehensible, right? The second he made fun of the mentally challenged reporter, early still, on like it was disgusting right? i still it's, think about that like on the day, yeah. the day when i see him in the news like I, I want like i have to be almost candid there's clearly things that he's done to a benefit of this country there's things that he's done that are of benefit highly to black people some might say more to obama 
But when you think back on again these moral standings, these that's 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 what's going to take away the voters, or at least I thought would have completely taken them out of the election. When you make fun of someone who's handicapped or a president even almost being able to have a soundbite that says grab him by the pussy and then it work. Like I'm, I'm things like that still almost shock me and not shock to the, on the way of the American people, but shock that it was, uh, I guess it was defendable to a degree. Right. Right. And that's why, you know, look, if I, if I had a kid right now, I would be telling them absolutely, look, this man is a morally, depraved and awful human being. You absolutely should not be like this person. This is not someone that you should be like. You can aspire to have his position. You can aspire to make the people in his position better. And you should aim to make the world a better place where people don't act like him. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think that that's that's a little different. Um, We should address some of some of the comments really quick. Uh, We had so we had one person say, how did it not end there? Talking about the, the reporter. We have one comment. It says, I think it comes down to this for what Zach is saying. Quote, I prefer the guy who is an a-hole to my face rather than nice behind my back, unquote. He's talking to everyone being guilty of something. He's saying be- being that way in front of a camera isn't important. That That's a big part of it, right? I think that if you, one of the biggest things that I disagree with, uh, one of the largest pet peeves of mine is hypocrisy. Hypocrisy bugs me to no end. And don't get me wrong, Trump has been a hypocrite several times, you know, and, and I won't defend him there. But what bothers me a lot about the other politicians, I don't want to draw too with too broad a brush, because there are good politicians out there. Absolutely. And both sides are awful with this, right? And we'll get we'll get into this with the Supreme Court. But that bugs me. And a lot of the comments that, for example, in this case, Biden has said in the past, they're awful as well. But they're not made in public. They're not made on camera. They're not made, you know, Trump is awful to your face, whereas other politicians, I think, are awful and instead decide to stab you in the back, (laughs) which I disagree with more. Um, The next comment says, I think, Zach, what you're trying to say is that because the president is basically temporary, whereas the government as a whole is a lot more consistent in terms of who runs it, like senators and whatnot, that if Congress and all did things right and fair, then the president wouldn't really have that big a spotlight. Absolutely. Um, I think the president should be one, commander in chief, and two, a check and balance on the other branches. And that's it. That's it, right? I don't think that I think that their power has been expanded so much so that they are in the spotlight all the time. When really, they're just they're just our top general. And they're the guy who makes sure that the other branches aren't acting unconstitutionally, right? That's really their their only good roles, or their only roles that they should have. And I think because of that, I, I care a little less about the imagistics because that doesn't or shouldn't play as much of a role in carrying out those roles. <laughs> yeah. And then we had a comment in all caps that says, yes, F hypocrisy, both sides. Yeah, for sure. Now, now that that cat's out of the bag, um, <laughs> don't, get me, don't get me wrong. This is not me saying I'm definitely voting for Trump this year because honestly, there, there's been enough on both sides that I'm genuinely not sure. I'm genuinely not sure who I'm voting for yet. I, I'm, I'm leaning a certain way, but I'm not positive. And I think it will really come down to this last month or two, or well, now about a month to make the decision for me because I really, you know, both, I don't know, I, I sound cliche, but both options are super awful right now. And I really am not sure what I want to weigh most heavily. 
Um, but yes, that's my general take on the responsibilities of the president and why I care a little less as far as voting when Trump has a more imagistic issue than when he has more of a policy or constitutional issue, right? Agreed. Now, also to walk out with you on that ledge, I also wouldn't necessarily directly know which side. And I have to say side because I don't agree with the two particular people that are representing the two ideologies, you know, right. the, two, the two party system. I have to kind of think ahead almost proactively to see where are we at Senate wise, where are we at Supreme Court justice wise, what's on the what's on the table in regards to things being passed, what are some in, in, impending issues and which party do I believe based off of um, previous history will affect that the best way for the best case of the country. And unfortunately, that too is not an easy answer. Right. We should move to one of the other topics. There were a couple other things I wanted to either fact check or, or clarify really quick just on their the Biden Trump records. Uh, and then we can move, like you were saying, we, we can move to the Supreme Court because uh, that is one of the big deciding factors for this election um, coming up for a lot of people. Another thing that, that happened um, in this segment was that um, both Biden and Trump slung around a lot of insults. So Biden blamed Trump for the recession. He basically, I don't remember verbatim, but he, he blamed Trump for the recession, said that there was a recession under his watch. This is my bias showing a little. I think that needs some clarification because Trump, look, there was, there was an international recession, um, right? That COVID slumped the international economy. And yes, you can make the argument that our economy is, we're still hurting, but it's a little incorrect to blame it solely on Trump. You can blame his handling for part of it, but it makes it sound like he is solely responsible for the economic crash. Now, on the other side, Trump <laughs> Trump blamed Biden. He, he said that Biden shouldn't talk about being smart with him, said that Biden graduated last of his class. And so he had no right to say that. Biden didn't graduate last of his class. He graduated. He, so he was 76th out of 85 uh, in, his, in his class for, I believe, law school. And then one other mudslinging take that Trump did that I wanted to fact check. He also called out Hunter Biden. He said that he was dishonorably discharged for not. his, yeah, he wasn't. He was administratively discharged for a failed drug test. And so, yes, he was discharged for drug use. Um, for failing the drug test, but it's different than being dishonorably discharged. It's being administratively discharged is often done for failed drug tests. And while, yeah, I mean, it's still not a great look, but it's not the same as being dishonorably discharged. There was a very key distinction that I wanted to bring up for Trump's mudslinging, that that wasn't something that was true at all. One of the other things that came up in the Biden-Trump records point was climate change. And so one thing that came up was whether or not Biden backs the Green New Deal. It was fairly confusing. So Biden said that that wasn't his plan. He didn't stand behind that, right? That wasn't his thing. But he didn't go into details on his plan, which I wish he had, right? He does have a plan that he has laid out for green energy and for green initiatives. But and didn't so he say the first thing he was going to do is join back into the Paris Treaty or the Paris? The... Yes. Yeah. The Paris Climate Accord. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So he did say that. It's important that he brought that up, but I wanted to run through really quick Biden's bulleted list for climate initiatives, because I think that this was something that up until looking into it, I didn't really know what his takes were. We had a question that said, wouldn't energy be a later debate? Was that a debate question specifically? It wasn't, um, but it came up 
under the under the records, I think. So so no. So we won't go super in depth on this. Um, but I just wanted to run through what he does stand for in case anyone was equally confused and, and uninformed as I was on this. So Biden's plan, he plans to invest in infrastructure, build roads and bridges, green spaces, water systems, electricity grids, universal broadband. He wants to invest in the auto industry, which he says will create 1 million new jobs in the auto industry, domestic auto supply chains, auto infrastructure, from parts to materials to electric vehicle charging stations, positioning American auto workers and manufacturers to win the 21st century. Uh, he wants to invest in transit, providing every American city with 100,000 or more residents with high quality, zero emissions, public transportation options through flexible federal investments, uh, et cetera, et cetera. He wants to invest in the power sector to move towards generating clean American-made electricity. He wants to invest in buildings to upgrade 4 million buildings and weatherize 2 million homes over four years. He wants to invest in housing um, to construct sustainable homes and housing units, invest in innovation, which is a little vague, um, but he wants yeah. to invest in innovation. Mm -hmm. uh, and then the other two are agriculture and conservation and environmental justice. And so if you want to look into that, just I'll post the link. Um, if you're not listening to this live, just Google Joe Biden clean energy and you'll find it. But but yeah, so so that was something else I wanted to clarify just because it came up. It was a little unclear, at least for me. But yeah, with that, I figured. Um, Brandon, if you had anything else on their records, or if anyone else in the in the chat wanted to say anything, uh, we've got one hand up. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. Um, so for the innovation part, I, I think it may come across as big, but I think what he's doing is the same thing that Obama did, um, which I don't know uh, the legacy for Trump, honestly, because I, you know, South by Southwest was canceled, right? And uh, all these other things were canceled this year. So I don't really have anything to port, report, but I've been there before. And, you know, you have the generals and stuff like that at South by Southwest asking for startups and involvement so that they can stay on the edge technologically. Uh, so it's not just like an energy or this. It's also like to drive our military technology or energy or anything like that. But investing in the innovation keeps us on the edge like that. Right. And so I copied and pasted the the specific quote from his from his website. And yeah, you know, it definitely like the, the technologies that are described could be used for more than just energy generation. Uh, right. They could be, definitely be used for a fair number of other things. The military just being one of them. Space Force. OK, we can we can talk about Space Force briefly because um, that is something, you know, that that it fits both the innovation and that is on the Trump record. I don't know. I mean, Brandon, what do you think? What do you think on, on Space Force? Is that a point for Trump, a point against Trump? I'm very disturbed by that. I, granted, I guess I can look up how much money has been allocated to the Space Force or the initiation of the Space Force. But if I'm not mistaken, the fuck is the Space Force? I don't, I don't, I don't, is, unless there's a Power Ranger on the dark side of the moon, I don't understand why are we allocating funds to a Space Force? I'm not sure if it was because the, the recent findings from Venus, but that didn't come until months after he even said those words. As have you heard the words of a space force prior to him saying that, like you know, from NASA or from any other scientists? So, as one of the comments said, it's a baby now, but he's doing it to start it before another country like China or Russia does it. It's going to happen eventually. So, I agree. Before he had mentioned it, there really wasn't too much talk. About well, so there was there was talk about it even back through was it Reagan? I, I mean, okay, granted, the, 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 I forgot what it was called, but the, there's a treaty where I think the, 
the moon was an independent nation owned to all right. nations. This is the, the talk of owning space has been around since I think like 74 or right after they, I guess they ended the, the, the funding for the space race, so to speak. I didn't know that it would come back again in 2019 or, but you know, or 2020, but yeah. Yeah, because this was something, and someone can correct me if I'm wrong, um, but I believe that even back with Reagan, Reagan had like some Star Wars-esque pipe dreams about space and that that led to, like he even turned down denuclearization with China, I believe. I, I could be wrong. I don't want to misquote it, but um, so it has been something that's talked about before, but I think that there are there are certain things that, so we had a couple comments that, <laughs> that, play into what I'm what I'm talking about. So one person says the idea of a space force is ridiculous. Another person says it's ridiculous now, but any rational person should be able to see that it's where humanity is heading. And then a third person, this, this spans the gamut of reactions to space force. <laughs> this third one says, I don't think it's ri ridiculous. Owning space is a thing. I mean, look at Japan's silly solar harvesting plan, which will ruin the look of our moon. It's kind of inevitable. France, Canada, Japan, like several other countries have since declared some level of plan to go about some kind of quote unquote space force, right? Everyone has kind of their own little plans. While it sounds ridiculous and, and frankly is a bit ridiculous on its face, I do think that it's something that was kind of inevitable as technology develops, as more people go to space, you know, war is only contained by the spaces that humans occupy. And I think that eventually humans are going to occupy space more commonly. And if nothing else, I don't think it's necessarily about owning space, but I think it's important to protect that non-ownership as well. Which I don't think the Space Force is doing. I think when, when he said the Space Force or when other countries such as Japan is talking about solar harvesting, they're not speaking of, well, of what I've noticed. They're not sp speaking of it as a global shared thing. This was, and this is not like the president went to the UN and established the space where this is a US private thing. This was a harvesting plans private thing for Japan. Mm -hmm. Right. But I mean, the, the counter argument would be look at the Air Force, right? We don't own the air, but we still have planes that go and fly around in international waters or above other countries and things like that. And other countries do it as well. Um, and so I think that just because we are there doesn't mean we own it. You know what I mean? Um, I think that the presence is one thing. The ownership is another thing. We had, so we had a couple other comments. Um, <laughs> we had, all right, so we had, if you got Musk planning to go to Mars, governments won't be far behind true Agreed. Uh, also space races are profitable for the technology of a nation historically D true i mean and space races and, and war for that matter hopefully it doesn't get to that but war can also be profitable and if a space war happens or, or a star wars if you will it could be profitable um, for better or worse we had another comment that said i'd 100 percent re-enlist if we were already on the moon haha <laughs> and then so someone shared an article about japan's um solar initiatives um, someone else said that it leads to a huge jump of innovation. Look at all the tech we got from the JFK space race. NASA has developed so much that we use every day that was originally created for use in space. And there, someone then said there's regulated airspace though. Um, yeah. And so I think all of that's true, right? I think that this new quote unquote space race that is developing around, uh, around the space force and other countries doing it, it will lead to an increasing amount of innovation in tech. And I think it will lead to things like regulated space space. Um, you know, there is regulated airspace because, you know, there, there needs to be rules 
in the space that humans are occupying, especially if they have a military force specifically designated there. And I think this will be no different, right? I think as these countries develop these forces, they will definitely develop some level of either international agreements or outline different jurisdictions or international, it'll be the equivalent of international waters, but it'll be international space kind of thing. Um, so I don't know. I don't know how it'll work. I do agree with the formation of Space Force. I think that it's, it sounds a little ridiculous, but I think it is something that's inevitable and will wind up working to our benefit. But I digress. We're, we're tangentially moving into other areas a little bit. <laughs> Thanks for listening. If you liked this episode, please remember to like, subscribe, and leave us a five-star rating. Also, you can follow us on Twitter at Say What Needs and on Instagram and Facebook at Say What Needs Saying for live updates and sound bites from our actual podcast. Don't forget to continue the discussion. Thank you for listening. Thanks. <laughs>